We have so much more to do, and I'm excited to be at the helm of that growth and look forward to ushering in the new chapter for the Raiders. You're listening to The Press Box Summer Edition. That was Sandra Douglas Morgan, which, by the way, okay, I have a, I have a complaint about Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, okay. We have we've actually seen a lot of like double names, hyphenated names in Las Vegas sports, right? Desiree Reed Francois, Marc Andre Fleury, Sandra Douglas Morgan, right? A lot of people. But I don't think she has names. the hyphenated. Oh, is there no hyphen? No, there's no hyphen. Okay. She's she's strong. Okay. She All knows right. how to do it. Still going to complain about Marc Andre Fleury because when Marc Andre Fleury was here and when Desiree Reed Francois was here, most people have a hyphenated last name because. Right. They have two last names, right? You get, in, I think Desiree Francois's case, she got married after she started a professional career, so didn't want to give up her last name. I think that's what happened there. But my complaint with Marc Andre Fleury, he, for whatever reason, had a hyphenated first name. Right. So, Those are two first names. Right. So it was Marc Dash Andre, right. and then his last name was Fleury. He ruined me because the amount of times that I see a hyphenated name and I stop and think, is it the first name or the last name? It, that should never happen. Nobody has hyphenated first names except Marc-Andre Fleury. But because he was here, he completely ruined me. And now I'm like, oh, everybody's got hyphenated first names, but nobody does. Only Marc-Andre Fleury does. My wife went with her maiden name and the last name, but there's no hyphen. Ah, no hyphen. No. Okay. She's like Sandra Douglas Morgan. She's solid. She knows what she's doing. There's no hyphen no. anywhere. <laughs> knows what she's doing. <laughs> she, knows what she, she knows what she's doing with names. Uh, we got another name. The Golden Knights just picked again in oh. the third round. Can you can you pronounce this one? Jordan is the first name. Okay. Got that one. Last name Gustafson. Gustafson. Swede? I feel pretty confident. He's a Swede. Uh, he's from Sweden? Okay. I'm guessing. Da- Danny's uh, Danny's in Danny's in for the uh for the last hour show and right away he said Sweden, so he the Golden Knights traded up to draft Jordan Gustafson. Uh, they were supposed to pick later in the third round, but they traded, it looks like, what, a third and maybe a fifth round pick to go up and get Jordan Gustafson. So a trade up to get somebody in the third round. All right. I don't Which, know anything about Jordan Gustafson or anybody that they're going to pick from here on out. By the way, trading up, that's true. That's true. Trading up in the NHL draft, normally a bad idea. Because? Uh, normally, outside of I think it's the first top twenty picks, there's oh, very little difference. Yeah. yeah, there's very yeah. little difference in a second round pick and a third round pick, or a fourth, or a fifth, or even seventh, in terms of their chances hey. to be a legitimate NHL player. So normally, you just want to get as many assets outside the first round as possible in the NHL draft. You don't normally want to trade up. So from a value standpoint, the Golden Knights probably didn't get the best value by trading up, but. We'll see if Jordan Gustafson any good. Apparently, he plays center as well, so they're drafting a lot of centers. <laughs> so right far. down the middle, baby. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. All right. Here's, Danny's, here's Danny's got I... something on him, by the way. Okay. So, uh, oh, you, you li- know something about Jordan Gustafson? Yeah, got him Just right away. a little a little Google search. Uh, quick background on him. He's 18 years old. Okay. He is from Androsen, Alberta, Canada. Oh, so I, messed, I messed up. I thought Swede, too. Um he is listed as 5'11", 180 pounds. All right. Solid. He's a lefty, and last year he played for uh, Seattle in the Western Hockey League. 
Oh, okay. okay. All right. There you go. Jordan, Jordan Gustafson. Gustafson. Gold Knights have made two picks already. In the last 10 games of the season, he scored one goal and three assists. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as good as I thought. Um, did you see... Did you see the kid who is supposed to go one last night drop to like three or four, and he was pissed at Montreal, so he came up and shaked Bettman's hand, and he was smiling with Bettman, and as he's walking away, he gave Montreal the table, Montreal the complete death stare? Okay, so I saw this who, video. Whoever that are kid we, is. Are we 100% sure that he was staring down Montreal? I want to be, so I don't care. I, wa- I, I okay. think that's absolutely great if he was doing I, that. I agree with you because I, I saw the video and I saw somebody say he was staring down Montreal, but you just see him staring. So you don't actually know who he's staring at. It wasn't a good I stare, though. He, you have to admit that. Oh, oh He yeah. was oh, death he, staring somebody. It was phenomenal because he went, he kept changing his facial expression from yes. smiling for the cameras with Gary Bettman for a picture to death stare at somebody. And my God, I hope he was at Montreal. And I hope that this kid is like a superstar. Oh yeah. And and just I and I, okay, I'll put it this way. I hope he's a superstar only against Montreal. I hope he's just like an average NHL player, but when he plays Montreal, hat trick every game. He got Be taken phenomenal. by Seattle. Um yes. I that had to be Montreal who cuz he was I mean, he was like consensus number 1. There's no question he's going one, and then he slips. And by the way, I would have death stared everyone else who passed me up. I don't know if you just death stared Montreal. I, don't, I have no idea who had the second pick, but I would have death stared them as well. But I thought it was awesome. Then afterwards, he, afterwards, a uh, little chip in his shoulder, he said, I'm going to remember this. I, lo- I don't know who this kid is, and I already love him. It's great. The death stare, yeah. I hope it's for Montreal, was absolutely phenomenal. All right. I do have uh, an NHL take for you. The Colorado Avalanche, I think they're running their organization about as close to how I would run my organization. <laughs> Then when I'm we going, talk we're about the goalies, when we talk about goalies, right? The Colorado Avalanche, after they got eliminated by the Golden Knights in the 2021 postseason, goalies a free agent. Oh, do we do we keep our goalie? We had a pretty good team this year, but we got bounced in the second round. Oh, Seattle offered him 5.9 million dollars. See you later. We don't need you. We'll find somebody else. What did they do? They go sign Darcy Kemper. Right. And they also uh, brought in Pavel Francouz, right? But they brought in Darcy Kemper to be their starter on a one year deal cheaper than what they would have had to pay to keep their previous goalie. Darcy Kemper, now a free agent, right? He just won the Stanley Cup. Wasn't really because of Darcy Kemper, but he won the Stanley Cup, right? He's probably going to want a raise. That's what happens when you have some success in the NHL. So, what did the Colorado Avalanche do? No thanks, Darcy Kemper. We're going to go trade for the New York Rangers backup goalie, Alexander Gorgiev, who is a restricted free agent, so they got to come to an agreement on a new contract with him. But he's only tw- he's 26 years old. He's only has a 908 save percentage in his career. He's never really been the guy and doesn't really have great numbers when he's been a backup. He's fine, but not good. Nothing to make you think this guy's going to be a superstar. But the Avalanche decided we're not paying our goalie any more money. We are only going to pay our goalies a limited amount. And if you want more, see you later. We'll find a replacement. So they sent two thirds and a fifth round pick to New York. They got Alexander Gorgiev, who's a restricted free agent. I imagine he's not going to make very much money this year, maybe a couple million dollars. Kemper's probably going to walk in free agency. The Avalanche are doing what I think all teams should do, and that is not put a premium 
on goaltenders. Don't spend a bunch of money. Just put the best damn team on the ice in front of you, him uh, and find somebody that's competent. You love Joe Sackick. Greatest GM I've ever seen. This, <laughs> this is what you should be doing. I think this is 100% how you should be treating your roster, and the Avalanche are actually doing it. And This is the anti-Minnesota Wild way. Oh, 100%. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Sackick was not given Mark Andre Fleury a two-year, three and a, and a half and a no million trade dollar. clause. Yeah, with a no movement clause attached to it when he's going to be thirty-eight years old. That was not happening. But when the listen, when the Avalanche win like four Stanley Cups in seven years with five different goalies, we'll be like, oh, maybe other NHL teams will realize, huh? Should we do that too? Should we spend our money on the skaters and not the goaltender? And they might actually start doing it. We might get a smarter NHL because of the Colorado Avalanche and Joe Sack. More apt to Kemper walk because he won the ring. I'm I'm assuming. I mean, now you just go. Now you just go for the money. Uh, you yeah, won the probably. you won the title. I mean, just now, just yeah. get a, now, just go get as paid as much as you can get paid. I mean, there might be a level of hey, I just won the championship with you like a week ago. I'd like to stick around and hang out with everybody here. But yeah, it might just be hey, who's going to pay me? The most, and it's not going to be Colorado for any goalies out there. Uh, they're not going to do it. So, yeah, maybe it is just simply for Darcy Kemper, who's going to give me the most money, and Colorado decided to trade for yeah. a career backup. I don't know if career is the right word. I think he's been in the NHL for like three seasons as a backup. But uh, I absolutely love it. I look forward to Alexander Gorgiev being like a completely average NHL goalie and the Avalanche playing for the Stanley Cup again yeah. because – Average goalie is what you need if you have the best team on the ice for at every other position. Did we decide who they're taking with the 79th pick? Uh, they made a pick. Yeah, where you been, Jared? They made a pick. He had to step out. It was uh, some kid named oh. Gust- Gustafson. Ah, Jordan, Jordan Gustafson. Danny, Danny knew more about him than anyone because he just Googled him. He, Danny, had, Danny, go. And he had like one goal and two assists in 10 games, so now we don't think he's any good. He also apparently has an older brother who is 20, and he's 6'4 and like 220 pounds or something. And like the kid that. they got was 5'10, 180? Yeah. Oh, and his brother also, up. he plays in the Western Hockey League. No, they messed that up. They, they took the wrong Gustafson. <laughs> well, his brother might be too big to play hockey. He's a he's defenseman. Too big, too he's got to be a defenseman. Yeah. Listen, there listen, somebody got drafted yesterday and they were like, "Oh, he's a big body, right?" They put it up and he's 62185. That's me. I am not a big body. So, if you're 64 200 something, you might be too big to play hockey. So, what is it, Dano Chara? I don't know. That guy's 79 278. <laughs> Yeah, but like Eight they were like big body. Skates. They were like big body, and then the kid was me, and I was like, I don't, I don't think that's a big body. Like I, I've been in a Golden Knights locker room. They're all bigger. Like they're not necessarily taller, but they're bigger than me. How's this kid a big body? I guess maybe he's eighteen. Five ten. Bigger? He's not gonna grow anymore. Eighteen. Uh, he <laughs> he's might, not growing he, anymore at eighteen. He, this is who not? he is. He's five. No, he's five ten, one eighty. He's not. There's no growth sports at nineteen. This is who Some he is. Some people do. Kid. Really? Who is the soccer player that they gave HGH to because he was only like <laughs> okay. four foot yes. one and to get him up to like five foot four so that he could play? I guess if, I guess the HGH might help. I don't know. I have not I have not heard that, Jared. Ah, just put some. I'm extra, googling it. Just put some extra thick uh, shoals inserts in his skates, <laughs> make him a little taller. Uh, I haven't heard of growth spurts at nineteen. 
Didn't did Giannis have one at 19 or something like that? Did he? I don't think Gustafson's coming with one. I don't even think about this guy. Except Danny's stats, and they, they weren't very good, so this is who they got. <laughs> oh. If they got Gustafson in the third, and they, tra- they and by the way, they traded up for 5-10-180. You just I said like they the- traded up. I like that you're uh, giving us a hot take based on his last 10 games yes. with the Seattle Packers. Uh, yes, exactly. So, the WHL. So here's the problem. It was this guy named Messi, I guess, and he started when he was 12. So we're 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 about 6 years too late to be injecting HGH into this gentleman. Oh. He gave Messi HGH? What? You talking about Lionel Messi? Yeah. He took HGH. He, he didn't get tall. No, yeah. he was so What's short that he had to take HGH to get Short. What's Messi? Five eight? Not even. I was I, gonna say. I, th- I think he's five six. Yeah. Is he five six. Yeah, he's pretty small. Man. But I mean, he's pretty great, good. Greatest I, player <laughs> in the world. He he's really good for five six. Wants. I thought he, you know he'd be okay for five eight, but for five six, he's really good. Um, well, he can Ed, duck under people. <laughs> Ed, just so you know, uh, Giannis after the age of eighteen grew two more inches. All right, so that put Gustafson at five ten when he shows up. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go out and see the developmental camp uh, next week when Gustafson shows up. I will say that my favorite thing that like high school or like coaches do will be like, yeah, that guy's six four, and it's like he's six foot. But if you oh, put yeah. him in cleats, yes, yeah, maybe he's six one and a half. Oh, yeah. But sure, six four. The listed roster numbers are they look out. Accurate. They're never accurate. They're never accurate. No, you guys, you guys have seen this, the uh, the story about the automated strike zone in the minor leagues that they had to physically go and measure the players <laughs> to get accurate heights because they were going off their listed heights and the strike zones were wrong because players were oh, listed right. as too tall. Could you so they had that? to go, like whoever, I don't know who's in charge of this, but whoever was in charge of it, they had to go and physically measure the players so they knew what their strike zone would be. Because <gasps> everybody was like two inches taller than uh, what they really were. My The most accurate place I have ever gotten my height measured is leaving Taco Bell. It's to... It, consistently <laughs> says that I'm between 5'11 and 6'1. That is the only place that I've ever had like, been measured correctly. That's a pretty big jump, though. Yeah, it's two inches. It's within the margin for a strike of error. Zone, that's, yeah, for a strike zone, that might be pretty big. So some guy is going to be in charge of measuring everyone in the major leagues when this comes into fruition in about 2024? Probably. There's going to have to be a legit, like, yes, we need to know exactly how tall you are. Because, listen, if I'm a major leaguer and they let me tell you my height, oh, oh I'm, yeah. like, I'm like three yeah. inches shorter. Yes, exactly. Uh, oh, six two. No, I'm like five eight. Freddie Freeman, I'm yeah. five nine and a half. Right. Give me Jose Altuve. Aaron Judge. Tone, <laughs> I'm about yeah. six one, six one and a <laughs> exactly. half. Right. Like, oh, 100% I'm lying and saying I'm extremely short. But, yeah, they probably have to actually go in, measure them to get the exact height so they can set the strike zone the right way because – that's what they need to do to do an automated strike zone. All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Make life take the lemons back. Bischoff's Briefs. Get mad. I don't want your damn lemons. What am I supposed to do with these? Bischoff's Briefs. Demand to see life's manager. Bischoff's briefs. Do you know who I am? I'm the man who's going to burn your house down with the lemons. Bischoff's briefs today is taking a look at Major League Baseball, potentially some new rules in the future, and what it means for starting pitching. So, 
First, Ed, I have a question for you. Do you like to watch starting pitchers pitch? Do you dislike to see a bunch of relievers come into a game? Like, do you have a preference on the length a starting pitcher is in the game? What's the score of the game? <laughs> <What? It's laughs> that, that, that matters to me more than anything. <laughs> I like to see starting pitchers pitch. I like to see, I like to see him go deep in the game. So Jeff Passan of ESPN wrote a story about starting pitchers, and there are a lot of good numbers in there about sort of the change that we've seen. The average number of pitches by a starter is down to 84. A decade ago, it was 94 was the average amount of pitches a starter threw. Uh, the number of complete games this year, 0.5% of all starts have ended as complete games. Uh, 42 years ago, according to Jeff Passon's story, 20% of starts ended as complete games, which I think somewhere in between is probably what we should be shooting for, right. not one-fifth. But 0.5% is almost nothing. It, it does not happen very often. If you look at teams this year, uh, the Astros use their starting pitchers more than anybody else. Their starters average five and two-thirds innings per game. The Tampa Bay Rays are at the bottom end. Their starters only go four and two-thirds innings per game. And this is actually where I think I might be on the side of sort of the old people who complain about baseball being better in their day, where we've had an overhaul of pitching in Major League Baseball. Starters pitch less, relievers pitch more. And there's real reasons for it, right? Starters, one of the big things, starters are not as good the third time through the order, right? right? You compare right. that to a reliever for the first time, the reliever stats are almost always going to be better. Obviously, there's the aces at the top of the scale there that are fine whenever. But for the most part, if you've got a starter, you don't want him to face a lineup a third time. It doesn't give you the best chance to win. A reliever does. Plus, the other part that makes sense to go more reliever heavy is it's usually cheaper to build a good bullpen than it is to build a good rotation. You, I mean, there are good relievers that make like a million dollars a year, right? Like good relievers, it's a little bit of variance too, but good relievers can be relatively cheap. Whereas if you're going to have a good rotation, normally you got to pay a lot of money to have a good rotation. Look at the Mets. Scherzer and DeGrom are costing them like 70 million this year. That's a lot of money to have one of the best uh, rotations in baseball. So as a team... You can spend more money on starters and then have them face the order a third time where they're likely to get shelled or spend less money and maximize the bullpen, who's probably going to be better once you get into the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. Right. It's cheaper and honestly gives you a better chance to win. So there's no doubt the way that teams are treating starting pitchers is like the smart thing. It's the right thing to do because it, it gives you a better chance to win. And this is where, like, I think there can be, this Jeff Passon story laid it out well, but there can be legitimate sort of pushback from Major League Baseball on how teams rely on relievers. One of the main things that Jeff Passon said is a, is a possibility or something they should look at is cutting down the amount of pitchers you can have on a roster. So right now you can have 13 pitchers on a roster. So for most teams, that means five starters and eight relievers is what you have in the over the course of a regular season if you have eight relievers i mean you can use at least three of them in every in, in a game right and not have anybody really get too tired out you can usually use four or five and oftentimes you're going to be fine and not overuse your bullpen but if you cut down the amount of pitchers that are allowed to be on a roster 
in this article it was eh, maybe it's 12 maybe it's 11 maybe it's even 10 but like if you cut it down to 11 you have your five starters and then you only have six relievers and if teams are going to try to limit how often their relievers throw right a lot of teams don't like to use guys on back-to-back days or they don't like to use guys you know three times in four days that type of stuff if you have teams still worrying about that it means the starting pitcher needs to go six or seven innings it means the starters got to pitch longer than the fourth inning and so if you cut down on the amount of actual pitchers a team can carry they're going to be more reliant on their starter to stay in the game and so that's something that i think i would like to see because i i it's not a massive deal but i do enjoy the starting pitcher staying in the game longer than seeing a whole bunch of relievers it's a little bit more interesting so i'm on board with the old people here Let's get back to starters pitching more than four do, innings in a game. Do you just automatically, what I do is watching at home, you know how they have the, the pitch count uh, below, you can see how many pitches they're at. Do you just automatically in your mind say, oh boy, he's at 67, oh, he's 80, this is the last inning? Like it's automatic. Listen, it, it's just automatic when I see that number. I I have a problem because I watch baseball games in the middle of the season and get mad, even though the Astros have a 13 game lead in their division. I have a massive problem, but one of my biggest issues is obsessing over the pitch count. Yeah. If, if the Astros starter throws like 19 in the first inning, I'm like, Jesus, we're going to have to go to the bullpen early. Right. This is a night. Like, Oh, I obsess over it. And I shouldn't, I should, I shouldn't, there's no reason I should be worried about Justin Verlander's first inning pitch count on July 7th. It's not healthy for me, but I do it every time I watch the game. I do too. And it's a, it's a nightmare. It's every time I watch the Dodgers, nightmare. if they're at like 60 in the fourth inning, I'm like, well, this guy's, <laughs> he's got one more inning to go. I, I do. Right. I, I, and it's weird. And I just, I literally say, who's up in the bullpen? Because I just assume <laughs> that guy hits 80, he's out. I was the doing that thing? last night just because oh. of a bet that I had. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Danny, Danny's become the official like uh, handicapper of the press box. You, oh, did nice you hear the other day? It. Danny had like a three-team WNBA yes, parlay. Yes, and he's yeah. just updating us every. Uh oh, the line moved with Chicago. Moved. No, but this one, like, uh, I had I had Musgrove's strikeout prop. Oh my! And, oh, why wouldn't you? And he had uh, such a degenerate. <laughs> he had ninety-five pitches after seven innings, but he only gave up one hit, and they took him out. And the reliever in the eighth struck out all three batters, and I lost my prop by one strikeout. See, Daddy, Jared I don't think nice. you should be betting anymore because <laughs> well, I haven't heard about a lot of wins. Hey, <laughs> I, had nice. the, I had the Yankees one two days ago. That's right. He did uh, oh, that's the right. They won 16, minus two and a half. Yeah, they won like sixteen nothing or something uh, like that. Yeah. Jared was nice and called you uh, uh, the official handicapper. I think you're official degenerate. No, yes, no. The I, I realized during the pandemic that I might be betting on something that I shouldn't be when I was working graveyard and I was watching Korean baseball and I was oh, betting on them no. and I had no idea who they were, but one of them was like the Samsung lions or something like that. I was like, all right, I'm riding with them. You're riding <laughs> so, with the Samsung lions. Something like that. Yeah. That's degenerate. That's absolutely it degenerate. It's not, it's it not handicapping. Bad. That's degenerate. It is pretty bad. But that it only, is. that only lasted for like, Maybe two weeks, and then I was like, "All right, this is I'm in over my head. I gotta stop this." <laughs> oh yeah, your three team WNBA parlays right. aren't in over your head though. Yeah, but that was like a that was a one off. <laughs> <laughs> Probably won't do another WNBA parlay for the rest of the year. And uh, and one other thing on pitch counts, the oh. worst thing is the Astros broadcast will put up this graphic every game 
to show you like when the last time the relievers pitched and how many pitches they threw. And I will see it and I'll be like, well, those four guys can't pitch tonight. What a nightmare. If Verlander doesn't go six, we're screwed. Like, I, it's it's not healthy at all. I got to stop doing it. Tyler, let me let me ask real quick. The, the old uh, Ned Yost Royal style of once we the starter goes to the seventh, then this, we have a seventh guy, an eighth guy, and a ninth guy. Would that be a more like attractive thing for you as an Astros fan if they figured out, all right, Verlander goes seven, then we've got a guy who takes care of the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth. No, no, I hate that. I okay. despise I, that. I, I, fair, should, I figured, yeah, because they Yost. need to use their best relievers in the most high leverage situation. But Dusty Baker only uses his closer if the Astros have a close lead in the ninth inning, which like never happens. They either lose or they win by five. And so the closer never gets used. Oh, let me complain about this with Dusty Baker. Just so you know, the Astros, when they get a reliever warm in the bullpen, they count that as him being used, like as a staff. So like if the reliever gets up but doesn't come into the game, they'll still act like, oh, he pitched yesterday. The Astros in a game this week were tied in the ninth inning, and they got their closer up in the bottom of the eighth just in case they took the lead to bring him in. For whatever reason, they didn't take the lead. They didn't bring the closer in. They brought in somebody else. And so the next day, the closer was unavailable because he got loose the day before. And they were like, well, that's back-to-back days. We're not going to use him three in a row. And I was like, well, that's stupid. If you get him up, at least put him in the game then if you're going to count that as usage. They did it again two days later and <laughs> lost the game in the ninth. I'm like, if you're going to get the guy up, bring him into the damn game so at least the usage he gets into the game and you're not putting in a worse reliever. Oh, my God. You know, Dusty he's, Baker, oh, it's the worst. Jared, he's, he's the worst. borderline getting a lot worse than me. Oh, I hide it well on the show. But during the <laughs> games, nightmare. Absolute nightmare. I can't stand it. I can't. There's three hours every day where I am insane. I, I do a good job of getting over it quickly. But nightmare. Dusty Baker, I don't understand what's happening there. Use the closer if he gets up. He's your best reliever. All right, we got to go to break. Yep. I don't know what we're doing next. I'll probably yell about something. He's just acting like an idiot, honestly. It's just a seven-year-old temper tantrum. It's not, like I said, it's not something I'm proud of. It's not something I want to do. But like I said, stuff happens, man. Got to get it out. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. Did you see what Chris Sale did, Ed? I heard him right there. <laughs> he uh, was made a minor league rehab start. Apparently, things didn't go very well. And he, like, ripped apart the clubhouse. Like, this poor minor league team Wait, just has physically? Chris Sale. Yeah. Oh, yes. Like, ripped things off the wall like in this can, clubhouse. It's almost like you can see the wall being ripped off. He He's also famous for he didn't like the throwback jerseys the White Sox were going to wear. So he went through with scissors and cut them all up. Yeah. Oh, he's a nightmare. He And part of his quote after that was like, well, if I worked at like Bank of America, this would be a problem. But this is pro sports. So I can rip things off the wall. That poor minor league team. They don't probably <laughs> yeah. have anything. Peanut butter and jelly. Right. Like Max Scherzer goes down to a minor league start and he like bought everybody AirPods and had. Did you see that Scherzer bought everybody for whatever yeah. minor league team AirPods and yep. then had like dinner, a catering service, deliver like filet and lobsters yeah. for everybody one of the nights. Like Scherzer goes down and does that. This poor team, Chris Sale's in there <laughs> ripping their clubhouse apart. They're like, oh, where's Thanks my duffel lot. bag? Oh, Chris Sale threw it into oncoming traffic. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. 
really helpful there. Um, so yeah, Chris Sale, don't send him down to the minor leagues. All right. Is the SEC trying to steal ACC teams or not? Uh, supposedly this was a, a an erroneous report that they were negotiating had... Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, and Virginia. When we saw this, a couple of these teams uh, know Miami, and then Virginia are like, oh, that has to be, I think Danny said that has to be Virginia Tech. like, no, it's Virginia. I mean, you taking because it's, it's got the beautiful campus? Maybe. So we had the report yesterday from Braden Keith that North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia all negotiated to join the SEC. ESPN is trying to void their TV deal with the ACC. We had a lot of uh, other people push back and say, that doesn't sound right. Uh, Barrett Sally tweeted, the SEC isn't negotiating with Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, and Virginia. That's silly. So I guess the SEC isn't poaching for ACC teams? I was talking to someone at the press conference yesterday, and they reminded me that that TV deal is is over ten years, and right. they're trying to rip that thing up. And up from from what I've read from other people, it's apparently one of the more favorable deals for ESPN. Yeah, like it's not a favorable deal, not as favorable for the ACC and its schools that ESPN would have no real motivation to rip that contract up. They want to keep that in place. So I guess they're not courting for ACC schools, but. I Barrett Sally, his tweet said that's silly. I don't know that we can say things are that silly when USC and UCLA Look, just left for the big. I don't 10. think silly exists anymore. Right, it's like silly is reality at this right. point. Silly things are going to happen, and sure, ESPN might not drive some realignment with the ACC, but if I'm the SEC, I might say, hey. I want to have Clemson and Florida State in my league. So, yeah, ESPN, we're going to do this, and you're going to figure it out. When are we going to get to, and we've heard this for years and years and years, 64, 64, uh, one super conference? Or is it going to be 64? Because some of these teams I, are going to be left out. Like I'm just going with numbers that have been like they're reported in the yeah. 60s. Maybe, maybe I mean, it's the 50s, it was, 40s. It was, wasn't it 64 because that was how many teams were in the Power 5 yes, conferences? Yes, yes, And then the Big 12 got raided and they added a few teams from Group of Five. So it depends on, that's that's what I'm curious to see is we're going to see some sort of split. Exactly how that's made up, don't know. We'll see in the future. But where is that split going to be made? Are we going to have, because right now, you could legitimately have the Big Ten and the SEC say, see "Oh, ya. we're just going to merge," right? And say we're going to play our own league and stuff over here. And then all of a sudden, Clemson and Florida State are not in that. Oregon's not in that. The Big Twelve school, like all of a sudden, they're not in that. That would be possible. I think you could have the Big Ten and the SEC. Like, here's if I was the Big Ten and the SEC, I wonder how feasible this is. If this could make you more money or not. Like, what if you just went and said, all right, we're going to team up, uh, poach whoever else you want in the next couple of years, but in 2026 or whatever year, we're going to team up, we're going to form our own, like, league between the two of us, and that we're just going to be a league. We're just going to play each other. We're going to have our own championship and everything. We're going to be a little mini NFL in college football, and then you just have a couple of years to go poach your Clemsons, your right, Notre Dames, right. your Oregons, whoever you like. I wonder if the Big Ten and SEC could make a lot more money doing that, or would that actually be bad for their 
bottom line if there's well, some need to keep college football somewhat similar. I mean, TV money, if you had all those teams that everyone just wanted to watch, and you've said it before, um, I would love it as well because you would just be watching the best games. Yeah. I mean, I mean you'd be watching monster games every week. You'd have, you know, and so TV would be all over that. So I don't know how they could lose money doing that. Right. I, I have to imagine if the SEC and the Big Ten decided we're going to do our own league, we're going to go poach the best of the rest, and, okay, Clemson's in, Notre Dame's in, whatever that list wants to be, right? Almost all the major college football teams that people want to watch are now in the SEC and Big the Big Ten, Ten. whatever they want to call it. And they say, we're only playing each other. So their television partners are going to be like, oh, so we no longer have to televise Alabama against Louisiana Monroe. Oh, sure. We're going to get Alabama against Ohio State. We're going to, like, worst case scenario, we're going to get Alabama against Maryland. Like, that's significantly better. And I have to imagine the TV market or TV stations be like, yep, we'll pay you more oh, for yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And and whatever their playoff setup would be, I don't know exactly what they would do, but whatever their playoff setup would be, it would kill it. I mean, the ESPN or Fox or CBS, whoever would get the rights to that, they'd kill it. That'd be watched by everybody because it would be an incredible uh, a college football playoff. So I have to imagine that that is somehow our future. I don't know if it'll be as as direct as, oh, the SEC and Big Ten. Maybe they invite the ACC and the Big 12 and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. But like that, to some degree, I think almost has to happen or is going to happen because that just seems it seems inevitable at this point i guess i don't believe totally craig thompson mountain west the commissioner when he says there could be some pac-12 and uh big 12 schools who want to come to mountain west now that might be where they end up because of all right. this change and, and and expansion and maybe they're left out we've talked about the washington states the oregon states the stanford's and cal they might not have a choice but i can't believe stanford was on the phone to craig thompson saying hey man we'd really like to be in that mountain west conference he Shouldn't they just join the Ivy? And, uh, maybe. He was on KOA <laughs> in Colorado, and his quote was, there could be some Big 12 schools, there could be some Pac-12 schools that are interested in the Mountain West. He also said that he's taken three to four calls from FCS schools yeah. about wanting to join the Mountain Bobby West. Bobby Houck in Montana wants to come. Right. But he did say that that's probably not in the Mountain West best interest uh, to add no. FCS schools. No. Whoa, so, UNLV could win some games. <laughs> So I I am with you. I'm sure there's probably been a call from like an Oregon state to say, hey, Craig Thompson. So if we get left behind here, what's <laughs> yeah. the deal with the Mountain West? But I don't think the call was, hey, Craig. Yeah, we the Pac-12 no. is just not working no. out. We're going to we're coming. No, we're just coming for the Mountain. We're going to wait to the end. But of I have that call. But if you are Oregon State, you're you're probably in the position right now of okay, we're not getting in the Big Twelve, we're not getting in the Big Ten. Um, we better call the Mountain West and see if they can be a backup option to to take us in. And and I'm sure oh, which Craig the Mountain Thompson West said, would. Yeah, it'd be like, uh, yeah, of course, yeah. we would love to have Oregon State in the conference. That would help us out quite a bit. All right, we got tickets to give away. If you want to go see the Black Keys tomorrow, we got a pair of tickets right now: 702-364-1100. If you want to go see the Black Keys at MGM Grand Garden Arena tomorrow, 702-364-1100. You'll win a pair of tickets if you are caller number six at 702-364-1100. A one pitch is popped into shallow left center field. Pro far in. Abrams back. Nobody going to get there. Yeah! Abrams got there, makes the catch, and then he and Pro far collide. 
Jergsen was kind of down, maybe trying to get out of the way. And Abrams basically upended by Profar. And now they both appear to be in fairly bad shape. Nothing in one. Garcia ready. Pitch to Alfaro, hit in the air to deep left center field. That's going to win the game. Slater going back and watching. It'll bounce over the fence. A rule book double to walk it off. And Jorge Alfaro with his third walk-off hit of the year has given the Padres a 2-1 to win in 10 innings here tonight. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to Jay. He won tickets to go see the Black Keys. But guess what? If you didn't win just now, we got another pair right now to give away. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see the Black Keys tomorrow at MGM Grand Garden Arena, we've got another pair. Call right now. 702-364-1100. We're going to take caller number three this time. 702-364-1100. Caller number three is going to see the Black Keys. Uh, Ed, I've got a tweet to read for you. This is from Pierre Lebrun. Cam Talbot's agent, George Bezos, met with wild GM Bill Guerin during the third round at the NHL draft. Bezos said, we both stated our positions. Billy has a lot to think about. Oh. <laughs> Cam Talbot has a position. Apparently, and that is that why the hell did you re-sign Marc-Andre Mark Fleury, Fleury and give him a no-trade content? <laughs> con uh, oh, my goodness. Well, How? Is Marc Andre Fleury in so much goalie drama? Well, I'm t I'm telling you that the gear and relationship with him is 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 tight. That's why he went and got him uh, last season from Chicago. But there's being friends and having a history, and then doing something stupid. And Bill Guerin <laughs> is supposed to be doing what's best for the Minnesota Wild, and not what's best for Marc Andre Fleury. You know, there were Russo had all those uh, tweets yesterday where everyone was saying it was a one year deal, and Russo said no, he won't accept a one year deal. And I'm like, Marc-Andre Fleury's in a position to accept or deny things at this point in his career. But, hey, we, we say a lot about Alan Walsh, but he got the guy a two-year deal with a no trade, so maybe we shouldn't say as many things about Alan Walsh anymore. So Marc-Andre Fleury's career, he was the guy in Pittsburgh, and then Matt Murray came along. Matt Murray stole his job. Matt Murray was the reason uh, he wanted that, that Marc-Andre Fleury became a Golden Knight because the Pittsburgh Penguins chose... Matt Murray over Marc-Andre Fleury. And then he comes to Vegas, say he's the guy, he's great. They trade for Robin Leonard. And then there's goalie drama, obviously, here. We got a sword in the back with the Boar's name on it. And he ends up getting traded away. He goes to a, another new team in Minnesota. And all of a sudden, there's goalie drama again? Why does goalie drama keep following him around? I don't know. Or is he the reason for it? Oh, his agent might be the reason for it. And we've never, you know, the thing about Mark is, Mark? Uh, the thing about him is, uh, when that happened with Mark. the sword, he really never, he ne really never addressed the questions, and you'll remember that. He really never no. said if he knew it was going to come out or not, and which I believe he knew it was going to come out. Um, so, nice, nice guy on the outside. We're not really sure behind the scenes with uh, Alan Walsh uh, what we what we're dealing with. Oh man, I yes, I am on board with blaming Alan Walsh for all of this. Because it constantly happens. I think I think there's there's a couple things. One, Alan Walsh probably has a lot to do with all of these situations. Absolutely. But the other one is I think there's a level where Marc Andre Fleury hasn't been good enough for teams to be like, well, of course he's our number one guy. 
right? Like he wasn't good enough in Vegas for them to be like, well, of course he's the guy over Ooh. Robin Leonard. And he wasn't good enough in Minnesota for the wild to be like, well, of course we'll get rid of Cam Talbot and keep flurry team C flurry. And they're like, oh, he's a good goalie, but he's not some superstar that we have to have. So we want to have True. flurry and somebody else yeah. that's pretty good. And that causes drama because then well, whoever does, else is pretty good. He does good. pretty well for himself for a guy who's not considered very good. Right. Oh, well, he's he's a good goalie. He's just not like superstar level. He's good enough to be an NHL goalie, but most teams are like, ah, we want somebody else to play too, but that never seems to go very well for any of these other goalies. <laughs> he's Eli Manning. <laughs> is he? Well, I mean, he's won some, and he's like, ah, yeah, he, he's, uh, is he good? Ah, he's fine. We'll roll with him. He's uh, The one thing is that Marc-Andre Fleury did get his Vesna trophy. And, like, Eli never won the MVP. Ah, oh, that's fair. Eli like, is also I, a career 500 player. I mean, what's, you know, that's fair. I was going to go say, like, maybe Brett Favre near the end, where they're always just like, yeah, <laughs> well, come play for he, the Jets. Okay, don't play for the Jets anymore. <laughs> he had drama for other reasons late in his career that was not related to his agent or his play. Uh, but oh, you're else. talking about the retiring. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, and he's also now stealing money from the state of Mississippi and not paying it back. So that happens too. <laughs> and giving state. It is. It is. He got paid a bunch of money to do an appearance or something. And I guess he never did it and never paid the money back. And yeah, but he's got hot takes on Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, though. We're gone next really week. We are gone. New next hosts week. the entire week. Congratulations uh, to Drew. He won tickets to the Black Keys. Hey, good job, Jared. Good job, Jared. Get Drew's name in there <laughs> as a congratulatory thing. Um, good luck next week, Jared yeah. and Danny. There you I, go, guys. I, I trust you guys have it under control, which oh, is probably the worst Do that thing roundup. It'll be fun. It'll be great. <laughs>